Good morning, Burning Bush. Welcome to Burning Bush Baptist Church Online. I think all of us can probably identify with that video. We've said something about somebody that we shouldn't and didn't realize that they were in the room. Maybe you've been recorded and didn't realize you were being recorded. Perhaps, I think everybody's done this, you send an email or a text to somebody that you didn't mean to send it to. So we're in the second week of this series we're calling Talking to Your Kids About the Important Stuff. And we said last week that this is just not a parents and children kind of series. We're talking to the grown-up kids too. We're basically talking about relationships and we're all involved in relationships. And your ability to communicate in a relationship has a lot to do with your success in life, and it also has a lot to do with your satisfaction in life. So last week we started talking about communication skills, and our first point was that foundational to your communication skills is your ability to listen. If you're going to talk to your kids, if you're going to talk to your spouse, and you're not listening to them, chances are they are not going to listen to you. This morning, we're going to talk about a second foundational principle, and that is speaking. How well do you communicate your thoughts? And we're going to do this a lot like we did last week. Last week, we had a an acrostic for listen. And so this week we have an acrostic for the word speak. And so we're just going to kind of jump right in. And the first letter, of course, of the word speak is the word save. And, or the word S. And my point is, save it for the best time and the best place. Save what you're going to say. Save your conversation for the right time and the right place. I think all of us have probably had some, some great thoughts about something we wanted to say to somebody, and we said it at the wrong time. Have you ever had that happen to you? And it usually doesn't turn out very well. For instance, any marriage counselor will tell you, the time to talk about serious stuff with your spouse it's not when you're tired. It's not at the end of the day. I mean, like the last thing that, that a guy wants to happen to him is, is to climb into bed at 1030 at night and his wife goes, Honey, I've got something really important to talk to you about. I mean, that's like the worst time. Like, never drop a bomb on a guy in bed, right? Never do that. There's a right time and a right place for conversations. So how do you know when the right time is? When is the best time? Well, I think there's a good principle that we can follow. Pick the time that is best for the other person. Ideally, it'd be great if both of you it was the best time. But if you have an important conversation that you want to have with one of your children, a spouse, or a boss, pick the time that is best for them. So I'm working on this sermon, right? And uh, I've got it all done. And so last night, and I, this is one of my points, I'm talking to my wife, Renee, and I, just, I was just kind of doing some tweaking here and there. And so she was baking a cake, and I started talking to her about it. And all at once, it dawned on me that, she was getting really frustrated with me trying to talk about my sermon that says, say it at the best time in the best place. And finally, I realized, like, you're not doing what you're fixing to talk about tomorrow. 
And uh, so we just kind of ceased that conversation. See, it was a great time for me to talk, but it wasn't a good time for her because she was busy with other things. Now, kids, talking with your kids can be difficult because kids are kind of like clams, right? I mean, they like open up and then they close. And you're never really sure when they're going to be open and when they're going to be closed. And so what you have to do with kids is you have to be prepared for the opportunity. You have to wait until they're open. Because if you try to talk to your kids when they're closed, they're having a bad day, things aren't going well. It's like, you know, beating your head against the wall. So you have to be ready for the opportunity when they're open because they're not going to stay open that long. So be ready for that opportunity and be patient. Solomon, who we talked a lot about last week in the book of Proverbs, he wrote the book of Proverbs. He's considered the wisest man that ever lived. He also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And this is what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7. He said, there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. What is he saying? There's a time to speak up and there's a time to be quiet. A time to speak up and a time to be quiet. And then you need to know the wisdom to know the difference. And while you're waiting for the right time to come, keep your ears open and your mouth closed. Be patient. Solomon tells us again in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, for there is a proper time and procedure for every matter. And you know, unfortunately, a lot of times we miss that. Just in general, in life, we just miss it. And do you know what happens when we miss the timing in a conversation? We're doing it in the wrong time, in the wrong place. Usually it results in conflict. So that brings us to the question. So how do I know the best time? Well, that brings us to P and the word speak. Pray and plan. What are you praying for? You're praying about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. And you plan when you're going to say it and how you're going to say it. So let's talk a little bit about the planning part and then we'll talk a little bit about the prayer part. So over in the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, again, Solomon wrote these words inspired by God. Intelligent people speak before, think before they speak. In other words, they put their mind into gear before they open their mouth. Intelligent people think before they speak. And then what they say, if you continue to read, they're more effective. They'll be more effective. So plan what you're going to say. Plan it out in advance. Of course, I'm talking about the really important conversations here. It says intelligent people plan before they speak. They think before they speak. Did you know that planning out your conversations, these serious conversations, is a sign of intelligent intelligence? If you walk into a conversation with your spouse or with your kids and it's an important conversation and you haven't thought it out at all, you're not really thinking about what you're going to say, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say it, but that's just kind of dumb. It's just not very smart. That's what the scripture says. If you want to be effective in your conversation, you need to think before you speak. What if I just kind of got up here every week and 
I didn't do any planning. I didn't do any preparation. You know, I got up here maybe this morning and you're watching online. I just said, you know what? I was going to do a message this week, but there was a Brady Bunch marathon on. And I just wanted to see what Greg and Marcia look like now. And so I just did that. Or maybe you're a younger generation. You know, there was a Walking Dead marathon on. And I just kind of watched that and just didn't really get around to, to, to preparing anything. Well, you'd probably tune me out really quick, right? And that wouldn't be very smart on my part. And certainly, I wouldn't be very effective. The Bible says over in Colossians chapter 4 about planning, it says, Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Or you could say it this way. Everything you say should do two things. It should be kind and it should be well thought out. I want you to notice a couple words here that are translated a little bit differently, but they mean the same thing. It's the word always and everything. Everything you say, always when you talk. What's not included in everything and always? Nothing. It's, it's everything. If, if you don't remember anything else I say this morning... If you'll practice this verse, you will become a master communicator. Be kind and think things out. That phrase there, seasoned with salt, means that things should be thought out in advance. It means you need to think about what you're going to say. Just don't fly off the handle with the first thing that comes to mind. Don't just spray your venom all over the place, stomp all over your kids' and spouses' feelings because you haven't thought anything out. Don't let other people be caught in the crossfire of your anger because you're just firing away instead of thinking about what you're saying. The Bible says everything should be considerate. If it's not considerate, then what do you do? Kind of like probably most of our moms taught us. You just don't say it. Think it out and that way you know how to answer everyone. And then there's praying about what you're going to say. Praying about it. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10 verses 19 and 20. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. Because at that time you will be given what to say. You'll be given what to say for it will not be you speaking but the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be better received if all of us just had the Holy Spirit working through us when we talk? So pray and plan. That's the P. How about the E? The E in being a great communicator is to empathize with other people's needs first. Empathize with the person that you're having a conversation with. Don't start out with your hurt. Don't start out with your problem, your complaint, your frustration. Start with them. What's their fear? What's their problem? Try to empathize with them first. What's going on in their life? What's going on in their heart? And there's another uh, kind of a major verse of Scripture that talks about this. And we actually talked about it some when we did our series, Kind Words Are Cool, back last August. And I'm just going to kind of refresh you a little bit because it's such an important verse when we talk about speaking. 
Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk, and you may remember we talked about last fall that that unwholesome means fish, like a dead and dying fish, and we talked about, it means don't have a fish mouth. And so it goes on, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Another translation puts it, speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. There's a significant phrase here. Speak only. This is the only way you're supposed to speak, this verse tells us. And do you know how many times he says the same thing? Speak only. Four times in this verse. Notice what he says. Speak only what is helpful. That's one. Speak only what builds others up. That's two. Speak only according to their needs. That's three. Speak only to what benefits others. That's four. He says that's where you start. So let's take just a little bit closer look at this verse. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now you hear that verse, and you know, if you're like me and you're kind of being honest with yourself, doesn't it sound like the person who wrote this might have been wearing rose-colored glasses? I mean, can you really live this way, you know, like, always trying to build other people up. I mean, you read it and it just sounds kind and respectful and loving and Christian and unproductive. I mean, like, can you really do this? Not, not saying anything? Can you really live like that, not saying anything bad about people? Can you raise your kids that way? Now, little Susie, it's not nice to see how many beans you can cram into your brother's ear. Or can you do this at work? Can you imagine a performance review and, and you bring somebody in and, and you just say, pretty please, do you think you could at least show up for work? Do you think you could just put in at least four hours a day? But that's not what Paul's saying. You're, you're missing the point. Paul is not saying to always be nice. He's saying be helpful. His point is, I want you to be helpful. Sometimes being helpful means saying the, the hard things. And for some of you, it means you need to dial things back a little bit and dial it down, and others of you need to step up and say what needs to be said. And then Paul kind of continues, and he gives us this very... This great illustration of construction. And he kind of gives us this construction image when he uses the term building up. And he says it's like you were on a construction site when you're having a conversation. And, and everything you say is like you are using building materials and you are building somebody up at a construction site like you're building a building. He says that's what you're doing through your conversation. He says, every time that you interface with a Christian, you're supposed to be building them up, building that person up, so that when they leave the conversation, they are better because of having been in that conversation with you. Can you imagine what would happen in our families if that was the typical conversation? Can you imagine what would happen in our marriages 
if we lived by that principle. Can you imagine what would happen in our church if that's the way that we measured, engaged all conversations? He says at the end of the day, when you get this right about not saying unwholesome words and building other people up, they will be better for it because of your words. You know, this is challenging, right? I mean, it's challenging for me because you know what I want to do? I want to talk about Dennis. I want to talk about my needs. That's what I want to do. I want to get my point across. I want you to know how smart I am. I want to get that little zinger in there. I want you to hear my side of the story. And God says, no, it's not about your needs. He says that. It's about building them up. I think it's a little spiritual on us when he says in verse 30, when it comes to your words, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now you think about that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And you might be sitting here, well, Dennis, I thought we were talking about speaking today. How did you jump back over to the Holy Spirit? How did Paul do that? It's simple. God is saying, I'm trying to build people up. And if you're in your conversations tearing down the people that God says he loves and he's trying to build up, he says you are grieving the Holy Spirit. You are demolishing what God is doing. That's kind of hard, isn't it? When we realize that when we're criticizing and we're ripping people and we're making passive aggressive remarks, that God says you're tearing down what he's doing. And it really bothers him. I don't know about you, but I don't think I think about it that often. Now listen, you're going to get to your emotions at some point. I'm not saying you have to be a doormat, be walked on, share your side. You're going to get to your hurt at some point. You're going to get to your frustrations and your fears and your problems. But you don't start there. If you're a smart mom, a smart wife, a smart dad, a wise husband, a wise co-worker, a wise parent in general, grandparent, don't start with yourself. Start with them. Speak what helps build them up for their benefit. So the natural question is, how do you do this? First of all, when you sit down in a conversation, let them go first. And just let them speak without interruption. And I know that's hard to do sometimes. It's probably really hard for some of you. Because, you know, we have a tendency after a couple minutes, we want to ask a question. We want to interrupt and get our point across. But just let them talk. I'm talking about these serious conversations. Five minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. Let them talk. If you have questions, if there are things, there are points that you need to make, Make a mental note of them. Or if you want, write it down. If you're wired that way, just, just write it down. I read something I thought was really interesting by Rick Warren. He's talking about a real intense conversation. He's the author of The Purpose Driven Life. He was having a really intense conversation with his wife about marriage and something that was going on in their marriage. And he said literally he wrote nine pages of notes as his wife talked for almost 35 minutes without pausing. But you know what that meant? It meant he was paying attention. He was listening. And you know, as long as two people are talking, 
as long as there is dialogue, good things can happen. I tell couples this, you know, sometimes when I'm counseling, I don't do a tremendous amount of counseling, but when I do, as long as there's dialogue going on, that's a positive thing. Once people quit talking, it gets a whole lot harder. And this is true in marriage. This is true between countries and international relations. It's true with somebody that you have a rift in the workplace with. It's true between companies. As long as you're communicating, as long as you are talking, something good can happen. The second part of, of kind of making this practical with, with empathizing is summarizing what you said. You paraphrase it back. Okay, I think what I heard you say is this. I, did, I, did I misunderstand you? But I think what you said was this. I may have gotten it wrong, but is this what you said? And you paraphrase that back to your child, your boss, your spouse, a coworker, whoever it is. And that shows that you are listening. It shows that you are doing wisdom. The fact that you can paraphrase and pair it back to somebody is a mark of a master communicator. Okay, moving on to the A. Affirm the positive. Affirm the positive. You want to be a proponent of what is positive, not an opponent of what's wrong. You want to be in favor of what we could be doing, not just be critical of what we're not doing. Now, I understand sometimes conversations, sometimes there's some negative things that have to be brought up. But overall, try to be positive. Negativity, and you know this, never changes people. It just doesn't. Be a proponent of the positive. Having a conflict with somebody and then just always focusing on the negativity, not giving any kind of solutions does not usually accomplish anything. It just reinforces the negative. But when you talk about the positive, you give people hope, you affirm faith, you give a vision of what they could be. This is what our marriage could be. This is what it is, but it doesn't have to be that way. I can help my child see what they could be. Not what they are, but what they could be. Don't focus on the negative. Parents, how many times do we do this? We're bad about this. We notice all the things that our kids don't do. And we tend to harp on those things and we harp on the negative and we're not bringing out the, their strengths and we're not talking about the good things that they're doing. And study after study after study shows that if you harp on the negative all the time, whatever you hold up in front of your children, then that is what they're going to become. So if you're always on the negative, you will probably raise a negative kid and they'll be focused on the things that you have always mentioned to them. Let me give you an example. Let's say we had a guest speaker today. And so I'm at home with you. And I've got my feet propped up in my recliner, just like some of you are doing this morning. And we've got this guest speaker, and he's going to come in, and, and he's going to talk to the dads. And so I'm watching online with you, and our guest speaker talks, starts talking to the dads. And he just starts telling us what lousy dads we are. 
I mean, he just says, you guys don't spend enough time with your kids. You're in the front of the television too much. Too many of you work too much. Some of you are in your sports all the time. Some of you spend more time on your hobbies than you do on your kids. And he just beats us up. Tells us how lousy we are. And he finally gets done. And, and you know what all of us are going to do as we're, we're closing out our devices this morning? We're going to be like, oh man, I'm just a lousy dad. I feel terrible about myself. And that's how we're going to log out on whatever you're doing this morning. But what if he comes in and he starts talking about what kind of dad you could be? He says, guys, if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ and you will build your life on God's book, the Bible, and you'll let the Holy Spirit transform you, your wife is going to adore you. She's going to love you. Your kids are going to honor you and respect you. And you can be a man in the community that people look up to you. And you know what we're going to do? I want to be that guy. I want to rise to that occasion. Don't just tell people the bad stuff. Tell them the positive. Show them what can be. You know, my entire time at Burning Bush Baptist Church, whether it was a youth pastor or as, as pastor, I've just refused to teach where you're just constantly beating people up all the time. I just don't believe in that. I know other pastors, and I'm not speaking to them this morning, that say, you know what, I want to tell it like it is, and I'm just going to beat my people up every week. I just don't think that's what people need. I mean, we could do that. This week I could preach on this sin, and next week I could preach on that sin, and two weeks later we can preach on this other sin, and I could just beat you up every week, right? I mean, you, you don't get beat up enough in the world, right? And with all this stuff on the news and going to work, if you're going to work, you get beat up every day, and then come to church, and we'll beat you up some more. That's what you want, right? Of course I'm being sarcastic. That's not good news. You don't need me to come to church and tell you what you're doing wrong. You need, me, you need to come to church so you can hear what God can do in your life and what you can become and how you can be transformed and what God's word says about your life and, and, and how you can grow in your faith and, and tackle some of those problems that you have in your life through God's word. Now this doesn't mean we don't preach on sin and we're just going to smile all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. Yes, you're going to preach on sin, but we're going to talk about how God can change you. Over in the book of Proverbs, it says, The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. You know that word adorn there is not a word that we use much anymore. I'm, you know, sometimes words just fall out of use. Adorn is one of those words. To adorn means to decorate something. You know, maybe you adorn a Christmas tree. We probably wouldn't say adorn, but that's what it means, to, to decorate a tree. It means to make something more attractive. So what this Proverbs is, is telling us, a wise person makes their words more attractive. They make knowledge attractive. What do wise people do? They make knowledge attractive. You know, it doesn't necessarily take any wisdom to share knowledge. But it does take wisdom to make it attractive. I'm sure all of you have had this experience. When I was in college, there used to be professors. They would walk into the class on the first day and they would say, just want you to know 
70% of all my students fail this class the first time. And they say it like it's a badge of honor, like they've accomplished something. And I'm like, that's just dumb. Like you are a lousy teacher or professor if 70% of your students fail. It's your job to make knowledge attractive. That's what you get paid for. Well, that goes for all of us. Making our words attractive. How do you do that? I'll give you three, three secrets. Here's the first one. This is good stuff. Share the benefits. If you want everybody in your family to buy into something you're changing, let them know what, why it's beneficial. This is why it's beneficial to everyone in the family that we do this. If there's something in your marriage that you're, you're trying to get changed, done a little bit differently, let the spouse know. This is why. If you're at work and you're trying to change some cultural things, what are the benefits? I am mindful that every Sunday morning when people come to church, they're kind of asking the question, how does what you say this morning impact me? How is what God's word says, how is that going to change my life? How is it going to affect my spiritual journey? When I go to work on Monday, how is what God's word that was shared on Sunday, what does that have to do with my life? It's, it's about making things practical. It's about sharing the benefits, what God's going to do in your life. Say it positively, and we kind of already talked about that, but don't say it negatively. Say it positively. Proverbs 16, a mature person is known for his understanding, and the more pleasant his words, the more persuasive, or another way you could say this, the more effective he is. You want to be effective with your kids? You want to be persuasive or effective with your spouse, your clients, your customers? The more pleasant you are, the easier it is to accomplish that. I once heard somebody say, and I think this is really good, you are never persuasive when you're abrasive. Isn't that the truth? I think sometimes we come in and we try to bulldoze people and we try to have our way and we think that's going to work. And it doesn't. It usually just makes people mad. It just turns people off. You're never persuasive when you're abrasive. Like let's say you go to a, to a store and, and the clerk messes something up. And, and maybe they're even kind of jerky to you. And they've got your order wrong. Are you going to get better service from them if you just kind of jump on their case and, and act like a jerk yourself? Probably not. You might feel better about it, but you're probably not going to get any better service. But if you're polite and you're generous and you're gracious and you cut them some slack because maybe they just made a mistake, they'll kind of bend over backwards for you a lot of times. You're not persuasive when you're abrasive. And some of you have never figured that out and you can't figure out why people don't re respond to you. You're never persuasive when you're abrasive. Share the benefits. Say it positively. Don't say it offensively. Because whatever you say offensively will be received defensively. And here's the third one to making knowledge attractive. Offer hope. People are looking for hope. Your kids are looking for hope. People are hungry for hope. People will listen to you when you offer hope. 
even when your sermon's too long. It's not my fault, though. We had a lot of other stuff, too. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 6. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So here's the last one. K is for keeping calm and not arguing. That's the fifth thing about being a great communicator using biblical principles. Stay calm. Keep your emotions in check. When those triggers come that we all have, ignore them. You know what? Your spouse knows what your triggers are, and when they're in a bad mood or things aren't going well, they know what the triggers are. Your kids, most likely, especially their teenagers, they know how to get mom and dad upset. Even if they're young, they probably couldn't articulate what the triggers are, but they still probably know how to push your buttons, so to speak. Over in the book of Proverbs, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. You want the modern-day translation of that? Those who are sure of themselves don't talk all the time. It means you have self-confidence. You know, I was in school... Uh, there were a lot of guys that would ask questions just to hear themselves talk, and, 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 and you would hear them all the, t- all the time. I've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings here with a lot of pastors and conferences with uh, different people in the Georgia Baptist Convention and, and guys in, 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 in conferences, faith-based things, and some conferences with the governors, and there was hundreds of us on. And there's this tendency, and you can pick the guys out. They were, I went to school with some of these guys. They just want to hear themselves talk, and they ask the craziest, just ridiculous questions. And usually that's a sign of somebody that doesn't have confidence. In college, seminary, wherever it was, a lot of times, or just in a room. You've been in rooms. The people that don't usually say a whole lot are usually the thinkers. They're usually the smart ones. And they just have confidence. The second part of this verse says, whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Don't let people trigger you or push your buttons. Don't let people hook you. When you say to somebody, you're making me mad, you made me mad, you're telling them that they're controlling your emotions and you can't control your emotions. Don't argue, keep calm. Last verse we're going to look at really quick. James chapter 1, verse 19. We talked about this a lot too in that series we did Last August, kind words are cool. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And you know if you do the first two, if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, then usually being slow to anger follows. But that's not what most of us do. Most of us are quick to speak, slow to listen, and then we become angry. And we want to get our point across and we want everybody to know how smart we are. And we want to interrupt and we want to get our two cents in. And we want to impress people. And we're quick to speak. And we get angry. So here's your homework. Two things. One kind of like last week. I want to ask you to just kind of look at that list. And there's probably some things on that five points there about the speaking, the, the acrostic there. Pick one. And just say, this is something I probably need to get better on. And I know a lot of you did this week. Ask your spouse, ask your kids maybe which one. And families, go easy on your moms and your dads. I had one mom tell me that the kids gave her like a list of eight things that she needed to work on. That's that's not really the point, so to speak. Go easy on mom and dad. 
And then the second thing is this. I want you to think of one person that you need to have a critical conversation with. Just one person. And then I want you to start praying about that. I want you to start planning how that conversation is going to go, what you need to say, when's the right time, asking God to teach you what to say and when to say it, and how to say it. Just, just start preparing for that critical conversation with somebody that you know you need to have that conversation with. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we come to you today, and Father, we thank you for your word, and Father, just how your, your word is so practical about everyday stuff. You know, these Proverbs and the things that we've looked at in Ecclesiastes, it's where we live. And I think sometimes we think that these kind of things don't matter to you. And, you know, everything always has to be about these, these great transformational salvation-type principles, which are important. But, Father, you deal with the nitty-gritty of life, too. And, Father, you care a lot about our relationships, especially marriage relationships and family relationships. Father, I just pray that... We take some of this to heart today. Father, there may be passages that have been mentioned this morning that maybe some of us need to commit to memory because we just don't do a very good job at it. And Father, we need it to be in our memory where you can just constantly remind us. And Father, I thank you for the people that are online today and I thank you for our church. And Father, I just pray for all of our families during this difficult time. Keep them safe, keep them healthy. Father, we've got a lot of extra time to work on these relationship things. And help us to, to take advantage of that. Father, thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray.